Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Caged In, the podcast where week by week, film by film, I try and figure out if Nicolas Cage is the greatest actor of his generation, or any generation for that matter, or he is the wild madman moron that many online detractors would have you believe. I bring on a guest each week as well and ask them what was their first, what was their favourite Nicolas Cage film and use my unique scoring system to find out in each film, does he have a crazy voice? Does he have bad hair? And to some people, not all, it may be most important, does he freak out? Does he lose his shit? And this week, oh, it's a it's 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 a fantastic episode and a fantastic guest. Um, we're talking about Army of One, and the person to join me to do that is Brett Jones. He's a fantastic illustrator and artist. I'll, I'll give him an introduction when he's on there because I like to make my guests feel a little bit uncomfortable uh, when we're face to face by telling them their achievements and what they do. And as always, uh, always get something wrong. He is a contributor to the hardest part of the Ring podcast. But that will be brought up in the in the main body of the episode and that will all make sense. Uh, be sure as well to join me at the end because there's this, since kind of when, when I recorded this episode, it led to a really, really great story involving the director of this film, Larry Charles, and the future of this film. So please do be sure to join me at the end where I can kind of go into all of the nitty-gritty details on what happened afterwards. And yeah, I look forward to sharing that story with you. But until then, enjoy this episode. <laughs> In 2017, I received a message from God. And by God, I mean the one true God, Nicolas Cage. He told me to watch all his films and record a podcast about it. This was after watching one of his movies. That movie was Army of One. 
Unlike Gary Faulkner, I'm not a lone wolf on my journey of God. I'm joined today by Brett Jones, illustrator and host of the Hardest Part of the Ring podcast. How are you today, Brett? I'm great. I'm great. I'm a partaker. I'm not a host on Hardest Part. Adam might give me a a slap for that. I do, I do, I do apologize. <laughs> I do apologize. Yeah, That's all right. I'm, I'm prone to getting things wrong. That's I'm. I don't put in as much work or effort, you see. Like when you host, you have to be on it and do lots of work. When you're just partaking, you can just rock up and talk crap. <laughs> I realized that very early on and realized the rod I'd made for my own back, especially undertaking this upwards of a hundred film journey that like led me to taking like a ridiculously long hiatus. I think like uh came back it wasn't like a kind of uh six seasons in a movie like community either that people <laughs> were, were begging for more it wasn't like a yeah seinfeld like we'll give you yeah. a million per episode for another season it was well lockdowns happened i guess i i, I guess I'm a, I'm a i'm a white straight male i better i better get back to podcasting <laughs> so yeah totally. so pro- probably explain to the listeners like how i first stumbled across you so through your like illustration work and you created this amazing zine uh i did this cage uh so where did that like where did that come from like that (laughs) that came from me being a nicholas cage fanatic essentially (laughs) and totally buying into everything that he was and and i love the the whole you know let's say mythology the whole cajunist you know people he has people that call themselves you know after his religion because he is the one true God, which you mentioned. Um, and just loving everything like that. So, and being an illustrator and basically just enjoying drawing pop culture stuff, Nicolas Cage was definitely high on my radar of things to do. And I had so many drawings and stuff that I thought I'll make a zine from it. It's like, for, for yeah, for those of you listening, it is, it is a work of pure art. Um, I very, I've, it's come in quite handy for me as well, because there's a, a handy centerfold where you can <laughs> yes. tick tick off the movies as 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 they go. I guess now it feels like it needs to be even longer because, like every year, there is just a whole host of yeah. Humming. I I do print out extra oh, for when people have <laughs> bought it recently. I have to update it. There's another page that slides in there. I need to just do another zine in total <laughs> so that you know it can go in there. Amazing. So yeah. Talking about Nicolas Cage, obviously, like I always ask first question, are you a fan? You violently are. You you've you've yes. you've dedicated time <laughs> and effort to to, to I'm all in. Amazing, <laughs> amazing. So what was your first cage experience? When did you when did you stumble across that? Yeah, so uh I was trying to think because I I'm not the best with my memory. <laughs> <laughs> um which comes up often in podcasting about wrestling because, you know, people have like stat, stat like memories of stuff. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so this is going to be a very hazy. I mean, it's got to be like, I say it's probably Conair is like most likely the first thing I saw of his. But when I was looking through, chances are it might have been Honeymoon in Vegas. <laughs> okay. It, I have early memories of that. And it's the sort of, you know, romantic comedy schlock that I also enjoy. So, you know, it may have been that. 
not to be confused, obviously, people at home with leaving no, Las leaving Vegas, Las Vegas. Which, is like, which is like the polar opposite. Yeah, that, it would have been quite dark. To, to, to that movie, which like that that point in um, Nicolas Cage's career, which like kind of brings me on to Army of One is there's like a lot of crossover with actors and just references like unknowing to them, obviously, to uh, Seinfeld in a weird way, because in that he wears an eight ball jacket in Honeymoon to Vegas, which is like a kind of linchpin moment in a Seinfeld episode where Elaine's boyfriend, David Puddy, wears this eight ball jacket and everybody like, <laughs> takes the piss out. It's just garish kind of multicolored. Like, I leather. remember them. My yeah. my uncle had one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and like Cage, because he, he plays some kind of weird PI in... Um, honeymoon in vegas does if i remember correctly i'm like <sighs> that 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 yeah that that part of his yeah. career is a bit of a haze for me it's been <laughs> since i delved into that it's that water um so yeah what is your favorite nick cage movie do you can you can you pick from your children so i'm gonna sort of i'm gonna cheat and i'm gonna say a few and then i, I am gonna pick one yep yeah perfect um so i mean i I love most of his films and obviously he's got some amazing films, but the ones that I go back and watch again and again and again are Moonstruck, yep. National Treasure, because I love a treasure chase, you know, yeah, yeah, treasure yeah. film and um, and The Wicker Man. <laughs> and I'm going to go with The Wicker Man. And, and I tell you what, being a fan of the original Wicker Man, the first time I saw this version i was just like you know this is blaspheme this is awful everything and then like but i watched it all the way through and then like i think this i watched it a second time just because i thought i want to watch it again and i was laughed the whole way through because it is just i know it's not meant to be a comedy but it is an on-point comedy and actually when i've watched it recently i think maybe it is a bit of a comedy because the directing definitely plays it a certain well, way well there's actually like uh the director neil laboot and um nicholas cage have come out and like i think in that way that like tommy was does with the room they have now kind of like backtracked and said oh no 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 it's, it's a comedy it's this 100 a comedy that's what we were <laughs> going for which is like would forgive the fact that the font that is used in the title sequence is papyrus um, <laughs> yeah. which like from that moment i was like is this is this film taking itself seriously that and like there's a massively like just strange cameo obviously like since that film came out because uh aaron eckhart just pops up in like the first two minutes of that movie <laughs> and then like is never seen again and yeah it's batshit crazy right like it's it's definitely... it is. it's got so many awesome moments <laughs> but i think it's just when I again, I did watch this the other day again because I love it so much. But there's just a bit when he first enters the island and he meets the three women and they've got the bag that's all like rumbling around and they've all got like smirks on their face as they're talking to him. And he's like, What the, are we going to talk about the bag? <laughs> uh, that's comedy. <laughs> Amazing. So, yeah, we're here today to talk about Army of One. Wow, what's up, man? You who? Gary Faulkner. I had so many fantasies about you in high school. I must have gone through about 100 boxes of Kleenex. That is disgusting, but I'll take it. Hello, Gary. 
God. I've got a favour to ask you, Gary. A favour? I need you to go over to Pakistan and capture Bin Laden for me. Capture Bin Laden? We're talking about destiny, Gary. Yes. You and Osama Bin Laden. That's crazy. No, I have a lot to do. I'm planning and training. Hey, man, I don't want to be that guy, but I'm pretty sure you can't fail to Pakistan. I'm sailing! Is this Pakistan? No, senor. Reason for visits? Taking care of business. So how do you like it here in Pakistan? Pakistan is very, very beautiful. I love America, so we're even. I love America, too! What's this? An American's at loose in the slums of Islamabad. He's searching for Osama bin Laden. He's obsessed. Hello. Damn it. You afraid of anything? Does anything scare you? Your bizarre fantasy that somehow you're James Bond or something. God damn it! You see that motorcycle? He's going to lead us to Osama bin Laden. Are you serious? Oh, my God! Get in the truck, Gary. Yes, Lord. Don't yes, Lord me. Yes, Lord. I said don't say that. Yes, my Lord. What's this now? What's this? It's not Aladdin. I'm not a genie. Welcome, Al-Qaeda Cribs, to my cave. My name is Sama Bin Laden. But this is my homies on the left here. This guy here, he make them white boys tremble, so we'll just call him Milkshake. I said earlier, has a connection to Seinfeld, and that is directed by Larry Charles, who also directed um, Borat, Curb Your Enthusiasm, The Dictator, Bruno, and was supposed to even direct Louis Farouk's Scientology film. Um, so a guy who kind of, this is very much in the Larry Charles wheelhouse, I would say, of like that kind of guy over his head, kind yeah. of de- dealing with another culture, very much in the way like Borat is. Kind yeah, of. totally. Um, so first of all, do you do you like this film? Is this is this is this is this up there as a cage classic for you? Or it's it's <clears throat> I do enjoy this film. I, it is good. I enjoy his performance in it. I, I I think it's like it's not in the upper echelon, but it's like halfway. I'd say like it's 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 decent. I would watch it again and again. I really would, <laughs> but. I'm sure we'll talk about it, but I, I, I'd definitely want to see, you know, the 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 Larry Charles edit of it because this is meant to have been a bit chop happy before release, wasn't it? Well, yeah. So that's obviously comes down to the point of, like, famously the the Weinstein's, apart from obviously <laughs> one of them being a massive piece of shit and yeah. ru- ruining people's lives. Yeah, they, yeah. they are famously known for ruining directors material they kind of have this like very liberal with the scissors in regards to like no this is how we want a movie and like someone like larry charles who has this just style onto his own and recently uh, i'm not sure if you've seen the netflix series he's done which is like comedy of the world and it's 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 reminiscent of this because it's larry charles himself if, if you've ever seen him he's kind of this like arresting looking like six foot something guy big beard he's he's even in this movie he uh interviews god at one point uh on a like oh does he i missed that on a, on a on a tv show and he's like it's called like books and shit and he's talking yeah about yeah his, his book uh, the new testament that's and right 
he's done this series where he goes around to like war-torn countries and tries to find the comedy scene so like <laughs> the, the first episode he's got he's going out to iraq and kind of finding like their version of trevor noah doing like a daily <laughs> it's like a matter of life and death and he's he seems to be like drawn to these odd characters obviously in sasha barra cohen and the characters here. yeah but this character of gary faulkner who is for want of a better word he's he, he's an oddball right like <laughs> <laughs> totally is, is he not though like i was thinking we have such a a unfortunately a wealth of people who think they know better and can do better yes. <laughs> these days you know we don't want to know what the scientists say we don't want to know what like any expert says on anything economists whatever we want to you know hear Piers morgan's version of something you know we want our version of how this should go down but at least this guy you know went out and tried to do something with his thinking i can do better <laughs> which brings brings us like perfectly onto the plot of this so like the kind of this has got a perfect elevator pitch because you can kind of deliver it in no time whatsoever it's like ex-convict um i say i say, I say perfect i'm stumbling over it already <laughs> uh, yeah ex-convict construction worker has a mission from God to kill Osama bin Laden. And it's like, as soon as you hit see that as like, that's what a film is about, I have to fucking see it. And that, and then compounding that with, oh, and it's starring Nicolas Cage. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, why would I, why would I, why, why would I ever think to not see that movie? And like his, his performance, you, you, yeah, you, you mentioned it, like his performance in this, it's great. Like it reminded me straight away of like he's putting in the effort and kind of going to a weird place like he does in like adaptation. He's kind of got that like throwing himself. Maybe it's because it's one of the rare roles, both of them, where he's put on a bit of timber. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it it is great. And I think like I was reading something about um or well, I had read about, you know, there's been a good few articles now since his more recent um, films. So he's done more interviews about his his style, yeah. as it were. And um, like I can relate to it in the essence, like as an illustrator or something, like you get jobs and you get paid to do those jobs, but you want to bring something that you want to do into each one of those yeah. jobs. So for me as an illustrator, I'm like, well, I want to draw something in this style or I want to do this. So I'm going to throw that into this job that I'm getting paid to do. And that seems to be what he does. Like he brings all these inspirations in that he wants to add to a performance. Well, he mentions in an interview I watched like recently, like in preparation for this, that like he spoke to like Gary Faulkner for like a good few hours to kind of... Like, <laughs> get inside of his head and he said like one the, the thing i realized quite quickly is here's a guy who just doesn't shut up like he will just talk and talk and talk and cage delivers that like perfectly he's just like oh. especially like with like this and the stuff he's saying as well like he's got like a host of these amazing nicknames that he like kind of seems self-appointed which I, i'm not sure <laughs> is like are you allowed to like give yourself <laughs> a nickname is that like is that yeah. a taboo <laughs> totally but if you say it enough times people will go with it won't they yeah my my favorites of of the ones that he mentions is just the g he's very <laughs> adamant on that one as a an amazing scene where he's um 
in Islamabad at like a, a hotel, isn't it? And they, yeah. they say saying to the guys like they 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 can't pronounce Faulkner. They keep going, ah, oh, Faulkner, Faulkner, and he's like, oh, just call me the G, just call me. And, the, and and another one which like slipped under the radar, I think for most people is he refers to himself as the psychic wizard, which is just like, <laughs> I think if Nicolas Cage were to be like. Some I, I know obviously there's the nouveau shamanic like thing. Like, yeah, he is he is like a psychic wizard. Like that is kind of <laughs> the vibe he 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 emits out to people. Um, yeah, totally. So what's yeah what scenes in this like particularly stand out to you, Brett? Oh, see, well, I mean, obviously the the opening scene. Uh, I mean that like tells you you're going to enjoy this film. It's like you know, a USA flag clad cage flying a usa enamored hang glider he's got a samurai sword pointing forward and he's like he's shouting like binny boy time has come jihad's arrived (laughs) i mean that's an opener the the amazing detail i I love of the hang glider as well is the like boom box (laughs) yeah and there's like an amazing like scene where it's him talking to like uh uh shop yeah like a shop clerk about what it is like what music i should be listening to as i go on my hang glider <laughs> yeah. like, oh, the, the weight of the the boom box might like throw you off and he's like i'm gary faulkner i could do what i want and uh we get this amazing rendition like a kind of like really downplayed version of free falling by uh tom petty as he like does his first like ascent well yeah his, his first attempt of many, because the real Gary Faulkner went to Pakistan seven times. Yeah, I'd read that. Which is like... Bonkers. And that, and that was after like he literally did have like at least two boat boating attempts to get there, but failed miserably. <laughs> so I, I, found, I personally found this film, and it, again, it would be really interesting to see how like Larry Charles would have handled it, because... It's weirdly a film of two halves. It's kind of like the mm. first half I found is very much this just look at just an, an eccentric guy, just almost like... Yeah, they were trying to, um, I think, as well in the first half, it seemed like they were really trying to make you seem like, yes, this guy's eccentric, but like he has people, you know, he he has people that are really warm to him Yeah, as well. Like he's got some, you know people around him that really put up with that (laughs) that vibe that he gives you know because I have to say like when the way Cage delivers the dialogue and and that voice there's so much energy to it it's tiring like watching it it's tiring I felt like you know as tired as I was stressed watching Uncut Gems you know like (laughs) that delivery really affected me just sat there watching it um but like yeah he's got like people that you know obviously stuck around him and and the forever forgiving marcy the girlfriend who just you know is like as great as as can be because she just lets him do whatever well i think it's this as well because obviously he's playing a, a real person um obviously aptly titled the donkey king um which obviously like <laughs> He's not, he's now venturing again to play well obviously yeah out again to play another real person in the Tiger King as Joe Exotic yeah. so like th- watching this again kind of was like 
oh, he he is he is more than capable to go to the places he needs to. And like from watching interviews with the real Gary Faulkner, he captures like not the voice entirely, but like he captures the energy and the kind of like I don't know. There is a sadness to the character of Gary Faulkner that like I think like Cage portrays in this. As much as like a lot of it is broad strokes comedy, there is yeah. there is like this kind of sadness to the guy really that he's like yeah well that i think that's what i was trying to uh, it seems quite affectionate even though like this guy you know, what he's done is a complete loon <laughs> but you know it's quite affectionate towards him i mean i i guess i've worked in supermarkets and stuff you know you do meet people like that yeah. <laughs> these people do exist and they do talk like that and stuff so it's not like this person is out of the realm of possibility um you know, and often, like, yeah, there, there's nothing wrong with these people. They're just a little eccentric. Well, I think it toes the line quite well as well, because obviously it could be argued that the, the real-life guy of Gary Faulkner, like, may have mental health issues. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, to, to you and it doesn't, it never feels like you're laughing at Gary. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. it very much could feel like that. And it's like, you're brought in, like, it's... I don't know. I don't like you're brought into his world enough and like realize, like you said, that he's like people are affectionate, like towards yeah. him. And like his heart genuinely is in the right place. He's just got <laughs> this harebrained scheme that yeah. like, he's going to go over to Pakistan and kill Osama bin Laden. And it's <laughs> like, it's absolutely like, I don't know, it's absolutely mental. Like, I just like. Watching it again, yeah, because I said I watched this in 2017 before this was even a like an idea to do this podcast, and it was this film that actually made me think. Do you know what? Like, I've always I've always loved Nicolas Cage, but like I, I don't know, I, I had this fascination all of a sudden of like, what? Like, how has he done so many films? And he is he's <laughs> like he's not. I don't know. He's not up there as a tentpole name. If, if no that makes sense like he's very much like i don't know it's obviously hard to say because we're he's still going but like obviously you can look back at like is he going to be considered like the charles bronson of his time of like germane you know I mean? like mm. just doing all these kind of like yeah because k just done a lot of like straight to dvd movies and stuff like that but like i don't know i don't yeah obviously we don't no I, it's it's funny i think like especially when you read some more interviews and stuff since you know some of his more recent films like mandy and mm -hmm. and color out of space um like it's like the critics are coming back around to him in a way like that it's almost like they're done with the slamming him and and coming back around to him which you know which is great uh, he he has that thing for me which a lot of um you know there's maybe it's because i'm getting older and you know the people of our time are the ones that are the best yeah. but there's something about like yeah sliced alones and your nick cage and yeah that like there's just something of a presence that they have on film that like just makes you want to watch their films 100 percent. and you mentioned those kind of like stalwarts of like action cinema there is a yeah there's a very tenuous link between a uh stalwart of, <laughs> of dolph lundgren uh he actually starred in a 1993 film called army of one 
that was directed by Vic Armstrong, a like uh, who was a guy known for like stunt work and stuff like that. He did like Gladiator and stuff like that. He went on to direct his second feature film, Left Behind, with Nicolas Cage in 2014. So his <sighs> his two his two films he has directed have some weird link both to Nicolas Cage, one in sharing a title and the other, well, obviously, starring what could be a cardboard cutout of Nicolas Cage. <laughs> yeah, that, that is literally the one. Like, of, of all the ones, I haven't seen all Cage's films yet. Left Behind is is trash. <laughs> That's the one I, I cannot enjoy. And it's because he's not in it for most of it. <laughs> well, I've, I, I think that, and I like from reading about that one, he, he, he did it almost as a favour to one of his brothers because he's, right. he, he's a preacher and he's like a pastor. And so he's like, yeah, yeah, no, I really love the Left Behind books. And he's like, oh, if, if you really love the material, I'll do it. And like his performance almost shows that. He's almost like, you can see, you can see like a, I, I don't, like I know this is for the Christians, so I don't, I don't want to offend yeah. anyone. Like, and whereas this, it feels like I don't know. Cage is flexing, like he's having fun, which I yeah. love to see, like him on screen having fun, and like it feels like with Larry Charles as well. There's like sometimes actors can look like they're having too much fun on screen, whereas this is like the 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 character the character is so out of this world and like that yeah. kind of that the language in which like Larry Charles speaks he he deals with these larger than life characters whether it be your your Larry Davids or your Borats like yeah yeah totally so um I don't know some some of the moments yeah that like what what other what other scenes like really really got you like were you like um well i i mean i guess snippets and there's multiple there's multiple bits like in the bar when he's challenging the guy to throw the knife and he gets his mate that's a, that's a, that's again. really funny and 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 that that obviously one of his friends um is paul Shear, who yes. is probably the reason why i got back into nicholas cage big time because i listened to like the how did this get made a face off yes. you know and and because i lit like most of those films and i was like oh yeah i need to watch this stuff again and, and it's just like you know that got me totally hooked <laughs> well it'd probably be no surprise to anyone that that listening to that podcast was basically like i was like you know what i'm a greek man like with a funny name like <laughs> jason manzoukas is a greek man with like a funny surname like I reckon I could do a podcast where I talk about films <laughs> and decide like how, how, what, 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 what the fuck is going on? And that, yeah. Yeah, that is basically the, the, the genesis of, but you mentioning Paul Shears is a great thing that like those character actors that they have, like those people who obviously like Paul Shear is amazing at improvisation yeah. and like has this really small part, but like <laughs> when he's on screen, I can't help but beam just cause he's just got like, he, he he's a funny looking guy like not in a like yeah and he just like he portrays this put put out friend like <laughs> and you you learn so much about his character when you see gary sleeping on his sofa and there's yeah his his, his house is adorned with all this like bric-a-brac <laughs> like loads of like um china frogs and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah like, yeah gary's there on his sofa um and he's like re reluctantly like 
kicking him out as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, like, it, really doesn't want to, but... <laughs> just to appease his girlfriend, because he like, even leans over, doesn't he? He's like, that's it? You're going to you're gonna leave tomorrow? And, like, kind of, like, yeah. says it so she can hear it. So it's like... And, like, when we're introduced to Gary as well, like, obviously, apart from that, like, the, the, the prelude to it, him just asleep inside of, like, a house, like, on a construction <laughs> site, it's like... That tells you all you kind of really need to know about this character. It's like, yeah, he's been sent on this mission from God, and this is how he lives his life. And like, this film, I don't know, I guess it's probably down to the cuts in it that you get. I got kind of lost. Like, one of, you know, one of the things I would say against it is I kind of got lost on like a sense of time of like how much time has passed. Like, yeah, because. For me, also, like the first half, like the getting to know Gary is basically like it's him building a ramp for his girlfriend's daughter. Mm-hmm. Like that's the first half of the film is like, you know, him going through doing that. And then the second half of the film is him, you know, in Islamabad. Or, and, and, and that's also for me where I think it probably comes with the cuts is where it really starts to lose a lot of momentum suddenly. Like it, it kicks off, you know, like I think it's like day one and he's woken up by the alarm and he's, yeah. you know, in his pants with the sword <laughs> upside down. It's like, that's hilarious. But then it just starts to meander for a bit, like just going through days. It's like trying to do a montage without a montage, like yeah. just throw some music and have a montage. That would have, it's probably not Larry Charles's <laughs> style, but that, that would have like kept you perhaps with the process a bit more. Well, unless it's that, meandering it's that thing that it almost feels like an overstretched like hour of something as opposed like because uh, yeah that disjointed like two halves is i don't know like i'm not sure if the original cut i can only assume that like some of that stuff of him like back home is between his trips and they've like just yeah edit- that 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 that's very much how it feels to me is that like it would have you would have got more of a sense that this guy, and I think it would have like really benefited the film to just see like the dogged determination of him that like, to be like, not that he just went there once, this guy fucking went there seven times. Yeah. Like, like a guy who you're established pretty quickly, doesn't really have a lot of money. Like doesn't like, (laughs) like paycheck to paycheck. And the fact that he's like this, this mission from God, which, yeah, he, he manages to, like, just scrape the money. And a Brit, like, well, I would say brilliant. It's a very, very small cameo from Matthew Modine. Yes, yeah. As his, uh, like, kidney, kidney doctor. doctor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, which is, and, and again, like, I'm not sure your, like, what are your views on Russell Brand in this film? Like, are you, like... So, <laughs> I'm I'm going to... I'm going to champion Russell Brand in this film, but not because he's like natural in it. He's, he's like, he's definitely a bit wooden in it, mm-hmm. but he's still Russell Brand and he's funny. And in, and some of the lines he delivered, like another scene I liked is when he's in the, um, pulls up in the truck, you know, and, and Cage realizes it's God and gets in. Yeah. Sorry, Gary Faulkner. And, uh, like, you know, just, like when he starts rocking and and just the way like you know russell brand speaks like that dialogue is just him in oh, in real yeah, life yeah. um and and yeah so like just 
that scenes like that together just made me enjoy it. Those and and I like him. Like he's he. I thought he was perfect for the role. Um, but yeah, I think he just is not totally natural actor. I watched an amazing interview with uh, Nick Cage talking about working with Russell Brand, and uh, it's quite cringe-inducing because it's Nick, Nick Cage like, oh, they have this thing in Britain. Uh, it's, it, I've I've become I've become a I've become Russell Brand's China plate. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it stands for mate, and like it's like. Oh, like yeah, we get, we get, we get it. You're trying to like, you're you're trying to like, I don't know, seem yeah, seem like you, you really got on, like which like for all intents and purposes, it looked like Russell Brand maybe if maybe was on set for two days. <laughs> yeah, like a lot of it looked like it could have been filmed. shot in front of a green screen yeah, essentially yeah, yeah. <laughs> via Zoom. Get a background involved, like you got to get yeah. the PC. It's done. Um, and then I don't know, like there's what there's one like glaring thing in this film, and like, I don't, maybe it's me being nitpicky, but there's a scene of um, Kate, well, supposed to be Cage riding a motorcycle through a, like a market square. And, yeah, um, you can see that it is one hundred percent a stunt double. <laughs> if you've got a Dulux chart, like his skin tone. Is vastly different to that of Nicolas Cage's. Even though Gary Faulkner, like Cage, bulked up to play that role, he is like still got a bit like a few more splinters on that timber than like Cage has in this movie. And it's like, I don't know, it's stuff like that. Like it's when you start noticing like moments like that that you're like, oh, I think I've slipped out of this film a little. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I don't know, like a lot of it is fun. Like the 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 premise is great like and watching interviews with gary faulkner like he is he seems like a a fascinating guy i just i personally wish we could have like i don't know maybe maybe we should like those dc nerds have uh like managed to throw their toys out of the pram and have got the schneider cut we can uh have a very grassroots uh and probably not going to go anywhere campaign to get the larry charles cut of army of one yeah, I didn't think anyone but Ridley Scott got their cuts out there. <laughs> <laughs> Blade Runner, how many different edits do we get of that? Come on, just give us one. <laughs> um, one more. So, uh, one, yeah, one thing you mentioned the voice earlier is there are moments in this that like gave me almost like PTSD flashbacks because his voice very much veers into that of a Eddie in deadfall right god i've not if, seen that for a while when <laughs> he kind of like it's when he's like really losing it and like ch i think it's when he's chasing uh, a guy who he suspects is a uh al-qaeda like uh sh like sniper and it turns out he's just shot the guy like sh yeah shot someone over a dispute um like again, that is a, that is a great little that is a great little set piece, and like just seeing, I've got a theory like Cage should not be running in movies because he doesn't he doesn't seem to be able to do it. Like he's, he's that was a struggle that run. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But th this film it makes sense. It's when you see him in other films where he's supposed to be like the Tom Cruise s character, and it's like, yeah. why does he look so pained when he's running? Like. <laughs> him playing this character it's like i get it he's like he's a bit of a 
I don't know, schlubby guy. Um, yeah, but usually he's a bit too all arms and legs, isn't he? It's like yeah, big movements. You can see, you can see that it's taking a strain on his knees as well in a lot of films. Like it looks, he's the anti Tom Cruise of running. Like Tom Cruise, <laughs> you know, you're gonna like beautiful running scenes. Whereas like Nick Cage, it's like stick to what he's good at. Like do you know what I mean? Like bit of bit of walking. Like, maybe, yeah, like, a bit of shouting here and there, but like, leave the running for somebody else. Uh, yeah, it's in that moment that when he shouted, he kind of like, he's like, get back here. And I was like, it, it shook me to my core because I, all I could think is just that, like, that the clip reels of Eddie, that for anyone who hasn't seen that film, is a fucking car crash of brilliance. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's probably the best way to yeah. describe it. Um, Amazing. Is there? Yeah. Is there any other like stuff uh, in this that like points you want to you want to bring? To yeah. That? I mean, like, so uh, I guess, like you say, there's 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 all these little like spots or set pieces. Like, I enjoyed the um the sword fight with Osama bin Laden. Like, you know, and the humor in that. Like, they're getting the mm-hmm. samurai sword. You know, the fact that they're sword fighting in a cave with samurai swords and it's cage versus. Some have been Laden, but like they get it stuck in the roof, and then like when they actually hit each other, the the <laughs> reverberations like they drop this, so it's like ow, <laughs> just moments like that, and the fact that they were both on kidney dialysis machine machines just before. <laughs> yeah, it's like great moment. It is a film of like these little vignettes, and like I personally love the 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 jaunt to Vegas he has with um with his, with his <laughs> yeah. friends, and it's just like the Colombians. This- yeah, and it's like a great just and just like seeing him like in that casino setting as well, and he's like, just I don't know, like it's a, it establishes him. There's like that great exchange he has where he's smoking a joint at the uh, <laughs> like a poker table, and the guy's like, yeah, you need to you need to put that out, or I'm gonna kill the cops. And he's like, he's just got this like exudes this self worth, and it's just like the the confidence, like I I. I I could only like dream to have of just being like, "Hey, I'm I'm here, I'm doing my thing," and it's like, if you're gonna be like that, he just like stubs it out, and he's just like, "I don't, I don't know," because this film, and I guess again, we probably would have like delved into it a bit more with the Larry Charles cut, is how much of it is true and how much of it is a part of like, cause there's a lot of references to Gary suffering from um, pre dialysis hallucinations. Yeah, yeah that does come into play a lot in this but I, d- I don't know like sometimes it's not as explicit and like just feels like in the cuts they've done it's just like as great as that vegas scene is it's it's also quite redundant like to to driving the plot forward oh uh, yeah it it is and i guess it's almost like you know like you say in the cuts it's like they had a scene i think with him and Marcy and he mentions it so it's almost like they've got to throw Vegas in there because they want to keep this earlier scene yeah where it's mentioned you know so like well we can't chop both of them out so maybe they just like you know cut it right down just this weird thing but they also have the bit where like in in that scene in Vegas which again pointing to his you know like lucidity with the truth is that you know the Colombians, <laughs> the the Mexicans on a tequila convention. <laughs> um, 
they stole his money, not that he gambled it all away. So we, we saw him on a high, but the reality was he lost it all gambling. And this, this little scenario is like his reasoning of why he doesn't have the money. Yeah, and obviously, like, the, the final exchange between the Mexican guy and Gary is like, uh, Osama Bin Laden says, like, don't go to Pakistan. Like, we're on the Yeah. It's just like, it's like, oh, all right. Like, I don't know. Like, I felt like this film could have, like, gone again. Like, I keep going on about it, but, like, I don't know if the Larry Charles cut would have, like, been broader or, like, gone a bit darker as well. Like, obviously, uh, it is, it is tiptoeing on some like quite like dealing with some quite dark things really in the way of like it's talking about a guy's mental health it's talking about like i i don't know like extremism in 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 some yeah and obviously i guess in and, and it brings up that classic point of like when a white guy is going on some kind of like like rampage or like mission from god it is yeah it is it, it, with the samurai sword which has has happened in supermarkets and whatnot in america to to awful results but it's it's seen as like uh it's it's all it's one loose nut and like the way that like we see at the end of this with the real footage of gary faulkner it's kind of like everybody just went straight for the humor in it and was like he was paraded around he was on like the the view with like whoopi goldberg and his fox news he was he was all over the place and like whereas like if like i I can only imagine if his name wasn't gary faulkner and he his his skin complexion was different like that like the character would have been treated in a different way and i'd like i feel like knowing uh yeah like the work of larry charles that that is probably one of the things that they would probably possibly would have like been trying to point at is this kind of hypocrisy yeah. of America that you they have in regards to like race and how they treat people when they're yeah on. it's quite funny I read a <laughs> so I read a review I read a couple of reviews after amazing um just to like to see because you know you get like on your on your streaming like everything gives it like you know many more stars than you see yes. in papers and stuff and sometimes nowhere near enough stars <laughs> um, but <laughs> i read this thing and i've got I have to bring it up because it's so funny it was in like variety and and the reviewer like they bemoaned the film for saying that it imposed american ignorance on others so like the, the his this character being in you know, Islamabad and and behaving the way he was, was like, you know, I mean, he's American and, and his mentality was this way. So like, yes, you know, there is this strong, yeah. like, ignorance from Americans on, on other cultures. Like, you know, their president shows it every day. <laughs> um, but then like, then after that, they blame, the reviewer blames Cage's early action films. <laughs> So like yeah, the rock and the Conair and stuff on America's shift from forgiveness to vengeance, like because America was such a forgiving place beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> it's just hilarious. But the, the 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 highlight of that is that at the end they knock the film for leaving it with 
the bloodthirst being unrequited. So because it didn't have this big, like, you know, bloody angry ending with Osama bin Laden, like the bloodthirst wasn't requited. So that was bad. But it was like, you're just, uh, it's hilarious. Like the, the, the political aspects of this film that were just like obviously totally missed, but also like not missed because they were insulted by it. Yeah. yeah. Well, like this, I kind of feel like would be a, a great like companion piece to uh, uh, Chris Morris's four lions at uh, this. Kind yeah. Of, like uh, the, the, the yin and yang of kind of extremism in like both senses of this. Yeah. Like Islamic extremism and this kind of, patriotic american like white extremism of like just kind yeah. of like these fanatics and obviously like it's just coming to me now they're kind of they're quite similar kind of voices in comedy uh like chris morris and larry charles in that they like uh yeah both both are happy to push push the boundaries and push like what is acceptable in regards to like people's tastes and stuff like that yeah <clears throat> yeah, like Four Lions is quite like a, a polarizing film to a lot of people. And it is, I really I love that film. I absolutely <laughs> yeah, yeah, love it. It's amazing. R- Rubber Dingy Rapids. <laughs> yeah. what, what, what more? What more could you want? Um, so yeah, it's probably it's we, we've been waffling on for it for a good long while. So it's probably good to start wrapping things up. But um, before I let you go, I have a little kind of scale to to test Nicolas Cage films and. I'm yet to kind of really realize what all this data means. And once I've watched them all <laughs> kind of compiled it, then I'll be able to imperatively say this means this and this means that. But it's it, it's something I've, I've, I've gone with and I'm going to stick it out to the end, which is, yeah, a three-point scale. So does Nick Cage have bad hair in this movie, Brett? Oh, see, <laughs> I think he's got a bad beard in this movie. <laughs> But I think his hair is amazing because it is grey Conair hair. Yeah, yeah, it's per- it's perfect. It's, per- it's perfectly. And in the same interview I was uh, talking about earlier, where he's talking about uh, Russell Brand and being China plates, he talks. Of, he's very adamant to let to let the interviewer know that he dyed his beard to just like <laughs> kind of like I, I dyed it grey. Like as yeah, if, okay, okay, Nick. Like we're not we're not. Gonna, gonna <laughs> yeah um, yeah i don't know what's worse like is you know clearly <laughs> just for men beard mm-hmm. or that really messy gray beard <laughs> amazing uh and i think this one's kind of a uh, i don't know anyone who's seen this film and I, I, I might know the answer does he have a crazy voice in this movie oh for sure <laughs> definite <laughs> is it is it vampires kiss crazy or like where on the kind of cage scale would you put this of like because that is known as like kind of the <laughs> uh, yeah it's 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 not vampires kiss crazy because <laughs> uh, there's there's oh, yeah i don't it's up there though it's it's below that but it's up there it's yeah it's got it's got because I, I i think people said like it I, I did read something where people were saying it was like Gary Faulkner's and I had to listen to Gary Faulkner. I was like, it's not like Gary Faulkner. And you know, it's better. It it gives more, I think to the film. So it's great that he does it. Yeah. It's like, he's taken Gary Faulkner's and like, kind of, I, I guess like anyone embellishing a story, he's yeah. added that, that 20% that it needs to kind of 
make it exciting and like that that is one thing cage's performance in this is is exciting to see and a rare kind of out and out comedy performance that we don't we don't really get to see from nicholas cage no no not at all and and yeah it's fun it's fun seeing it's fun watching a film knowing that he's having fun playing the part i think you can see that from this film and like you said earlier like he brings he brings himself to it and you can see like he enjoys bringing that kind of pathos of the character to it. Like I, I, I would like to think, and from listening to from interviews with Nicholas Cage, that like he wouldn't just like look on the surface level and go like, "Oh, right." So it's, um, it's a com- it's a comedy. Like, like no, no. Let, let let's dig deeper into this character and like kind of what what layers are there? Like what what have like led him to kind of be yeah. this way? And like I don't know. Like there's a beautiful moment near the end. Like. It's kind of really quickly like you've brought out like brought out but when uh he sees that Osama bin Laden has been killed and we get like Cage <laughs> crying on the sofa. <laughs> it it kind of just shows you like the futility of Gary's entire plans. Like, yeah. And until his crazy tells him no he's still alive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah, I think um I don't know, a lot of people now would probably play play into that uh to that thinking it seems like conspiracy theorists and uh <laughs> fact deniers are, are are on the rise as, yeah, as totally. the current times we're living in um and the last question i always ask is do we get a classic nick cage freak out he's known for his career to, but yeah there's there's videos dedicated to it do we get a freak out in some way i would say we don't in this one I think we get a very energetic performance, but I think for me, the closest he gets to it is the rocking in the truck with God, <laughs> but that it's not quite there. A, 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 a personal, like, like a moment that like teeters on it for me is uh, there's a great moment when he hears like uh, a domestic disturbance and like, like some kind of like, <laughs> I don't know. Vigilante goes to inspect it, and like, yeah. I've, I I can only assume people have heard him kind of busting in like this American, like from nowhere, kind of going, "What's going on?" And like, he chases these guys out with the samurai sword, and he's kind of like shouting at them, and it's just like I don't know, like those scenes in like the kind of tight corridors and stuff like that are great. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. It's been amazing having you on, Brett. Um, where yeah, I've we... really looked forward to uh, doing this. <laughs> I like talking all the wrestling. I usually talk with the guys, but I was like, I get to talk about Nicolas Cage. I can't wait because no one really entertains it. <laughs> well, yeah, like, and as as somebody who like is on this very weird journey, I'm, I'm always, I'm all, like, well, I say I'm always. I, I've got to always be happy to talk about Nicolas Cage, but. Um, <laughs> I I I found more and more as I do it that like um, it's gone from like being interested and like being a fan to just like really just like I've got a massive respect for the guy like realizing that he does he does all these movies because a lot of time he wants to and obviously there is that element of like you said like so, sometimes you've got to take work like but if you could inject yourself into inject yourself into it like yeah but he is i don't know like just before talking i was watching an interview with him and he was talking about um how he's trying to 
encapsulate this kind of French, uh, like German expressionism in like the way he acts and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, see, that is that that is that is the things like you want to you want to see from someone or like even. Oh, no, like, totally. Well, I mean, I'm sure you've probably mentioned it in when you've spoken about these films, but you know, he talks about like trying to. And um, bring in Nosferatu when he does Vampire's Kiss yeah. with his movements and stuff, and and Woody Woodpecker with Raising Arizona. Like he brings all these amazing little moments. I think he even said like um, he saw uh, an advert John Stamos did for leggings or something, and the way he said something he said was so cringe. He was like, "I need to bring that into a film," and he used it in a film, like just that way of doing something. It's like you know there's inspirations everywhere and he takes it and he actually creates something. And, and that's what I love about him is that we got so stuck in realism being like the, the, you know, the way film should be, the way acting should be. Mm -hmm. And, and, and the only good stuff, you know, worthy of praise and critique is like realism. It's like, what, (laughs) you know, this is entertainment. Like, Oh, and Cage is like very much riding that wave at the moment of yeah. kind of, I don't know, it, it's, he's straddling the like boundary between art house and kind of schlock entertainment, very much yeah. like Mandy and like Color Out of Space. It's almost like he's on a way to this like trilogy of kind of tone pieces of like bizarre, bizarreness and just like... Mm. Uh, weirdness and yeah later on this year i think it's supposed to be released uh there's a movie called willie's wonderland uh which, yeah i've seen about that exciting <laughs> yeah sees nicholas cage playing a like a janitor an unnamed janitor who has to like fight against these demonic animatronics in a kind of like chucky e. cheese style adventure land for kids that's been abandoned and like Re- reading about like the backstory for like that film and stuff like that it's like he's picking these amazing roles and it seems like the films he's doing and like one of my guests brought it up um was it seems like a lot of the movies now are directed by people who are fans of that like golden era of cage like so just mm. from sheer like age wise a lot of like new directors so like uh, panos cosmotos like would be like the perfect age to have seen like Con Air and like Face Off at the cinema. So now they're like, what? I've got a chance. Like, and it probably helps that he's like fallen on financially tough times that like, yeah, he's probably not as expensive as he was in those, in those days. No, I think also like, cause he says he, he, he can't have too much time, you know, yeah. cause I, th- I like, he doesn't say explicitly, but I think he clearly probably suffers from depression, like with some of the stuff he talks about sometimes and, and he needs to keep working. So I actually think, and he also talks about um, wanting to emulate like the golden Hollywood people that like had this film catalog of like hundreds of films yeah. and he, he wants to emulate that. So like he's just taken on role. So yeah, if you were a director, like your opportunity no matter like probably the size of your budget to work with Nicolas Cage must be like exciting. Well, I look, it would be for me anyway. I'd be like, yes. (laughs) I I look at the kind of like actors who have worked with like arguably like the top tier directors throughout the years. So like obviously early, early years, Cage would have worked with Francis Ford Coppola, 
bit of nepotism never hurt anyone. <laughs> but like he's 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 like ticked off some real like heavy hitters, whether it's like John Woo, Martin Scorsese, um, like Ridley Scott, like yeah. Oliver Stone. He's got all these like, and it's I don't know a lot of a lot of actors, and I would put him in a camp almost of like. He's his career at some point he could have gone that Leonardo DiCaprio route, uh, which like links in a way because Nicholas it, it, sh- it shows you who's the one to take more risks. Nicholas Cage outbidded Leonardo DiCaprio on that famous dinosaur skull, uh, <laughs> that 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 so he had to give to be, back, yeah, that turned out <laughs> to be stolen. Um, so like, but it, it shows that thing that Leonardo DiCaprio, I always like to think now he's kind of pigeon hold himself and that he can only do these kind of like like uh if if it's not going to be nominated for an oscar like no chance i'll be doing it whereas like cage's career is so much more exciting because it's like yeah he could be anywhere like and and you don't know what cage you're getting either which is exciting as well because it's going to be different like he, he does different stuff in different films which is also exciting and and even like if he does the same premise in a film like it will be, it may be like the, like the same color, but it's going to be a different shade of that color. Do you know what I mean? It's going to be, if he, if he's seeking revenge in one film, it might be like, I don't know, yeah, it might be a, a blander color. But then you're also going to get the seeking revenge of Mandy, which is going to be like fucking hell. Like it's going to like or, yeah, you're going to get you're going to get Donald and Charlie Kaufman. Do you know what I mean? And it's like. Mm. All you have to do sometimes, like, just a quick one before we go, just you look at the year this came out. I always like to put these these films in kind of context of when they came out. Dog Eat Dog, Snowden, USS Indianapolis Men of Courage, and Army of One, uh, yeah, all came out in 2016. <laughs> oh, and, and I'm, missing, I'm missing the trust as well. Yeah, so five, yeah. five movies one year work two of those uh yeah two of those like heavy hitter directors paul schrader and oliver stone but then he's done uns indianapolis which is uh i don't think well received (laughs) (laughs) so like as you said you don't know who you're gonna get or or where where he's gonna crop up and it's 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 what makes yeah him a fascinating actor and especially it makes my life very interesting doing this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. You don't want the same every time, do you? No, no, of course you wouldn't, not. You wouldn't be doing it. <laughs> yeah, if, if, if this was a Tom Cruise podcast, it would be like, <sighs> he did some running. Like, yeah. you know I mean, he, he did some jumping. Like, I don't know. It's like only so much you can talk about a guy doing <laughs> own stunts. No, with. totally. And also, you know, the difference, like, one person perceived as crazy one person literally crazy yes yes exactly (laughs) exactly. yeah yeah amazing well before i let you go where can people keep up to date with obviously hardest part of the ring which you are a contributor to yeah not not a host and uh, (laughs) yeah where can people check out all your artwork and um well so uh i am on Instagram and Twitter, for my illustration, I am uh, at EWF81. That's for East Worthing's finest. <laughs> um, and for the podcast, for the wrestling podcast, if you're fans of wrestling, um, it's at Hardest Part Pod. 
Amazing. Right, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. It's been so fun to kind of nerd out on some Nicholas Cage with you. Yeah, definitely. Love it. <laughs>
coming up next week on the podcast, I'll be joined by comedian, actor, writer, and just general funny man, Dan Thomas, to talk about the 2017 movie Arsenal. Or is it Southern Fury? I hesitated on the title because I always forget which one to mention. But depending on where you live in the world, it will be one of those two titles. It was a very, very fun conversation about a quite frankly bizarre movie. So do do subscribe, all that good stuff, rate, review and stuff like that. But, but make sure you listen to next week's one because it's a fun one. This is a fun one that's a fun one and i've got lots and lots and lots of fun episodes coming up for you guys so as always i have been petrus patsilibus i have been caged in you have been amazing catch you next week bye bye Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 